Okay, I am going to steal Larie's message title and call this message Nuts and Bolts 2.0 because we are continuing right along here with what um, Paul has been instructing Timothy. And we fall right back into, as, a, as you recall from chapter 5, um, he has told us to honor our widows and to honor the elders and it just strikes me that um, throughout Scripture, the Lord continuously has reminded us from the Old Testament that we are to um, honor the widows and orphans, those who find themselves um, completely helpless otherwise. But it is he who watches over them, and it is he who calls us to be those hands and feet to people who have found themselves in those situations and to honor them is to show them that they have worth, that they have value, that there is a reason um, that they are walking this earth. They're made in the image of the God Almighty, and we don't want to um, forget them. We want to show them honor. We want to show them that they indeed have worth. And we, um, as we then transition to, into our last chapter here in chapter 6, he moves into begins to tell us that slaves are to honor their masters. And that's, in our language, kind of harsh, and we, we kind of step back from that a little bit, and we look at that, but when we come across those passages in Scripture, we just go back and remember, okay, what is true, and we compare Scripture to Scripture, and we look at the bigger picture. And even in chapter 1, we see that um, Paul had... Uh, told Timothy that when he was going through the law, that the law was not made for the righteous, that it's made for the unrighteous, and he goes through a list of people there who um, fall into that category, and those who enslave men are in that category, those who um, are trading men for um, to be put into slavery. And so the Bible does not condone slavery. In fact, he Paul has said elsewhere that we are to set free. If you are able to gain your freedom, absolutely do that. Um, it's not a condoning, but it is the commentary of the situation of those days, and it's not completely um, gone from our day as well. We see it in various forms in across even in our own country and across the world. Um, but in this particular situation, it seems to be a hybrid form of slavery, if you will, of um, there is freedom there that we see, and there is um, slavery in the sense of somebody who is under the authority of another. And in our modern day, in a sense, it could be equivalented, equivalented, that's not even a word, equivalent to um, what as your lesson pointed out, to the employee-employer relationship. You know, we all have that freedom, but we, when we go into a job, we are, are under an authoritative role who, in that scenario, somebody has potentially dictated your hours, when you're going to show up, when you're going to leave, what you're going to do during that time, what you're going to... Um, what your tasks are going to look like, and sometimes how you're going to do them. So we have that scenario before us in this situation. And so we're told that, or he, Paul tells Timothy to tell those who find themselves in that position um, to honor all their masters, and then particularly if they are Christians, all the more so. Um, there's a reason for that, 
and it's it's to honor God's name, it's to honor the gospel. And whatever role we find ourselves in, we want to have that as our mindset because when the Lord calls us, he has all called us where we are at. Thankfully, not needing to change our behavior before we come to God, he calls us right in our sin and asks us to believe. And he doesn't necessarily change us out of those circumstances because he's going to use us right where we are, where, right where he has found us. And um, oftentimes, isn't that our greatest witness, our greatest light, when we are in a situation and our hearts have been turned and now others can see that in us and it begins to be used by God. And it just, as I went through that, I was reminded back in my working days a long time ago, but um, I did have, I worked for a company and there were a lot of Christians in the company. Um, and we hired a gentleman to do an office type job. I mean, he was a young kid and his desire was to serve in the ministry, but he needed money, he needed money, he needed a job, so he came to work for us. And it soon became apparent that he wasn't quite really interested in the job, he, he needed the money, but his time was spent using it for the ministry work, doing the tasks for the ministry he was involved in, um, making flyers and copies for you know, that ministry. And it became apparent, and so we had to talk to him about it. And, you know, in his mind, because we were Christians, why wouldn't that be, why didn't we understand that the greater thing that he was doing for this ministry and getting the word out for Christ was greater than the job that he was supposed to do that was set before him? And, and it's a common, I think, especially with a young person, to kind of feel that and think that, but in reality, he was stealing from the job. He was stealing time. He was stealing resources. He was stealing um, that witness, actually, in all irony, from what he wanted to do to those around him. And those who weren't Christians in the company were seeing that uh, behavior and thinking, well, if you're a Christian, then why are you not doing your job? Because by you not doing your job, you're now affecting me not doing my job. And it just becomes a ripple effect. And it was just ironic that, you know, trying to get him to see that, no, this was the job he was to do in this position. And that is his witness. And that is how he will glorify God by doing that job well. And we see in various places, and I just pulled out one verse from Galatians 5.8, where all that we do wherever we find ourselves doing it. We want to do it for the Lord. That is where the Lord has placed us. And it's that whole bloom where you're planted mentality as far as, you know, don't, don't seek out what we think is the, the greater source of um, effectiveness that we could have when right in front of us we have that daily faithfulness, that daily act of obedience that we can be used by God in. Um, Galatians 6, 5 through 8 says, Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ, not by way of eye service as men pleasers, but as slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart. With good will, render services as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. There is no vain thing when we are done doing it for the Lord. Um, he sees all that. He knows all that. He is probably, and I'm 
know for sure, at least absolutely able to use all those things for his glory. So be faithful right where you're called. And then Paul begins this, or I should say ends this letter, much as he began this letter. These two, chapter 1 and chapter 6 through the end here, are very much a parallel of each other, if you notice that. Um, And the first thing he has gone into in chapter 1 was about those false teachers, right? And we saw in chapter 1 he was... Uh, Timothy was to instruct men not to teach strange doctrine, to not occupy themselves with myths and genealogies, because these things are leading to speculation rather than furthering the gospel. The goal of the instruction is love, and to share that love that we have in Christ, we are to build one another up, we are to remind each other and to tell others of the love we have, that we have been saved from our sin, that the love of God has come down and made himself known, and that is the core of where we always want to get back to. And in chapter 6, he warns and says, they are advocating a different doctrine, they do not agree with the sound words of Jesus, and they are not agreeing with the doctrine conforming to godliness. As they were moving in this direction, we can see that they weren't moving towards love, and in fact, just the opposite, they're leading to envy and strife, and abusive language, and evil suspicions, and constant friction. So it's dividing. It's not uniting. It's dividing. Love will unite. These words of division will divide. And um, and they have even moved to the point where now they have concluded that godliness is a means of gain. And it's all, as I looked at those two kind of parallel passages, it all stemmed from that fruitless discussion that we can get drawn into. That corrupt mind has begun from a discussion that has turned to fruitlessness. And so in chapter 1, Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight. This command I entrust to you, Timothy. In chapter 6, he says, fight the good fight. Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. So I want us to look at how we can guard what has been entrusted to us. We have all been given that place, again, wherever we find ourselves, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in our workplace, in our churches, at the grocery store, wherever the Lord, wherever you are, the Lord can use that as we stay close to him. So how do we guard ourselves? And the first thing that I thought of was, Again, we, are, we become doers of the word. In light of this passage, in light of thinking of these fruitless discussions, we are to be doers of the word, not just hearers. We actually need to respond and obey to scripture. And I thought of, um, I heard an illustration of this once that, that really just clarifies exactly what um, we can sometimes get intangible thoughts of and so it really just brought it home and made it tangible to me this illustration and the pastor shared and said if I had if I told my daughter to go clean her room and she runs off and comes back and says dad I memorized what you said you said go clean your room okay or he shares what if she goes off and comes back and says dad I've looked it up. I've been studying it. I can translate it in Greek. Do you want me to hear what it says in Greek? And he says, okay. 
or she comes running back and says, Dad, I gathered a group of women or a group of friends, and we studied what the word said, and we studied, or I'm sorry, we studied what you said. We studied the ways we could clean our room. We studied, you know, what that would look like. But did you ever actually clean your room is what I'll, all I wanted you to do. And it just kind of really gives you that tangible feeling of knowing, you know, sometimes we just need to be obedient in the simple thing of what the Lord has asked us to do. And we want to guard that time that um, we have with the Lord and to hear what he has to say and then do what he has to say. Our growth will come as we do and not just become puffed up knowledge bearers of what the word says, but we, when we do it, it just has this reciprocal relationship that grows us in the knowledge of Lord and keeps us close to um, the effectiveness that he wants us to have in others' lives. So guard becoming hearers of the word, or becoming doers of the word, and not just hearers. And we are to fight the good fight. There are a lot of fights that we can get drawn into, and it made me think, um, in this case, of uh, that expression, you know, we've, we won the battle, but we lost the war. And never has that expression become more apparent to me than with my kids and as I started raising children. Um, there are a lot of battles that could have been fought. And you have to take a step back and think about, okay, in the grand scheme of things, do I really want to fight this battle? Do I want to be in constant battle? We want to um, be aware of just getting drawn into fruitless battles that um, don't matter in the long run. We have a bigger goal, and these discussions that we can get into over the word, we just want to guard and be aware of them. And if we have moved from the point of wanting to defend our position, regardless of hurting that person, um, and when that becomes more important, we want to guard against that. If we get to the point place where um, being right is more important than that restoration and what might be a wrong belief in someone else, we can lay that down and we can give up that right and we can seek instead to once again be united and in love, come alongside each other and don't let those battles that are otherwise meaningless in the grander scope of things become more important than the person who's sitting right in front of you. There are bad fights we can fight, and there are good fights that we can fight, and we want to be aware and guard against those. And somebody has a fun ringtone. That's, um, and the third one is don't misuse Scripture, thinking it is a means for financial gain. We have the plumb line of Scripture, and when we get into these things that take us away from the plumb line, we move further and further away. And in the beginning, it might not seem like it's that big of a movement. A quarter inch is a person, we, we uh, laid new floors in our home, and my husband did it, and he was, I was going kind of crazy. It's like, all right, let's move on. But, you know, he was so meticulous in getting that line straight because if not, Every inch that is off as you progress along the line, you end up a foot off by the time you get to the end. And the longer you go, the more time that has occurred, 
you get further and further and further away. And it's, it made me think in that case of, um, you know, being at the beach. And, and I can remember, um, you know, that undercurrent. When you're in the water, you cannot feel that movement. And it moves you along, and you don't even realize. I can remember as a little girl, and then all of a sudden looking up, and I was nowhere near. I mean, we were with our group of friends, but we were nowhere near where we had started from. And you didn't even realize you were being moved along. And that's in even Hebrews. That's what Hebrews says. Be aware of drifting away from the word. We want to keep that plumb line of scripture and continue to come back to it, continue to be anchored to it, continue. And that's, again, what we do in community with one another is we come back and we remind ourselves and we line up and we say, okay, what is true of scripture? And we help one another and we come back to it again and again so that we don't end up completely lost way over here over the course of time and we all of a sudden look up and go, how did I get here? I wasn't even aware of being moved along. And that is what we want to guard against, this message of the world that is constantly at work in us. And we don't always know it. We can't always feel it. But it is moving us. But we need to be anchored to Scripture. And we see that um, sometimes even, you know, this this. Verses quoted, misquoted often uh, as the money being the root of evil. And we see, and it was explained, that the, it's not the money, it's the love of the money. And we want to guard even spiritualizing our requests to the Lord. Um, and we will say things to ourselves like, oh, Lord, if I could, you know, if I could just get that bigger house, I would turn it over to you and open it up and use it for your glory. And, you know, we can kind of trick ourselves sometimes in those things. So just be aware, just, um, again, come back again and again to um, not putting our hope in things that um, can be moved, the things that move us away. And it, um, when my kids were young and, you know, we had the Monopoly game and we played Monopoly and they loved that money. They were in awe of that money. And to me, obviously, I knew it was absolutely useless, but to them, it was everything. And, but it made me think like, Lord, that's the exact same thing it is to you. We are in awe of the things of this world, whether it's money or materialism, whatever those things are. But it's all meaning, it's monopoly money to him. It's completely useless. And he doesn't need any of that. He doesn't need us to have any of that in order to use us. We are used and can be used and can find our contentment, which is what Paul tells us, to our truer gain is found in being content, to remember who he is, that he cares for you. And I love that the, the super bloom, as they call it, is going out along those freeways as we think of Matthew 6. And look at the fields, look at the beauty that is there. Won't I care for you more than that? And look how beautiful that is. Seek me first, and all these things shall be added to you. So just find that group of friends who holds you accountable to remind us again and again to come back to the plumb line of Scripture so that we guard our faith and stay true to him. 
And I love that um, Paul has says in 4.11 that we can learn to be content. He has learned to be content in whatever circumstance he is. And so it's something that we can learn. We, we don't beat ourselves up because we haven't found that contentment. It is something that we can grow in and learn and um, become more and more content with as we grow closer to him. The things of this world will be less and less uh, in our hearts. And that desire to get rich is a misplaced desire at best that can lead to destruction at its worst. And we saw that in the end they had completely corrupted their minds. And it leads to, again, that division, that, um, that fruit, those fruitless discussions that aren't drawing us together. They're dividing us apart. And so we don't put our hope in wealth. We put it in God. He has richly given us all that we need And we are to lay up our treasures in heaven by doing good, by being rich in good deeds, by being generous, by being willing to share. It's um, these things that matter as we desire wherever again we find ourselves to uphold the name of the Lord and to uphold the gospel. Paul tells Timothy to flee ungodliness, to run, to turn and not look back. Anything that takes us away from the gospel message and who he is, run from that. And instead, pursue righteousness, pursue those things that draw our eyes to the Lord, that make us more like him, that transform us from seeking our own glory, our own rights, our own wealth, and put it on him and seek his glory and his riches and his beauty. And it made me think of, um, I just kept thinking as I was studying this passage of Psalm 90, and where Moses talks about teaching us to number our days. And I just want to close us with reading that psalm in a way that just becomes our prayer for the end of our time together. And Psalm 90 says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were born, or you gave birth to the earth and the world, Even from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You turn man back into dust and say, Return, O children of men. For a thousand years in your sight are like yesterday when it passes by, or as a watch in the night. You have swept them away like a flood. They fall asleep. In the morning they are like grass which sprouts anew. In the morning it flourishes and sprouts anew. Toward evening it fades and withers away. For we have been consumed by your anger, and by your wrath we have been dismayed. You have placed our iniquities before you, our secret sins in the light of your presence. For all our days have declined in your fury. We have finished our years like a sigh. As for the days of our life, they contain 70 years, or if due to strength, 80 years. Yet their pride is but labor and sorrow. For soon it is gone, and we fly away. Who understands the power of your anger and your fury according to the fear that is due you? So teach us to number our days that we may present to you a heart of wisdom. Do return, O Lord, how long will it be, and be sorry for your servants. O satisfy us in the morning with your loving kindness, that we may sing for joy and be glad all our days. Make us glad according to the days you have afflicted us and the years we have seen evil. Let your work appear to your servants and your majesty to their children. Let the favor of the Lord our God be upon us and confirm for us the work of our hands. Yes, confirm the work of our hands.
pray. Father, we just are greatly reminded through this passage to cling to you, to stay close to you, to not pursue those things that take us away. We want to present to you a heart of wisdom. So, Father, use this time in our groups to form those friendships, to knit us together, to be voices in one, another li- one another's lives that we are reminded we are yours and we are in need of only you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.